0: Hello everyone. I'm Christina Roberts King, and I am here to welcome you to the Real Eyes Realize podcast. This is a platform where we feature everyday people making ripple effects, actualizing love in their families, communities, and the world at large. Real Eyes Realize is a show where life and service dance together. For all of our podcast listeners, we invite you to sit back or take us with you on your walk or drive or however you enjoy your podcast, but listen deeply. We are here with our guests, here to listen to the sparks that have inspired action and heart-centered service and highlight ways in which we can also be motivated and inspired to create the positive ripple effects in our world. We're prepared to get real as well, authentic, courageous, and vulnerable through truth-telling and in that, relating with one another to the things that matter most. So thank you for being here and enjoy this special treat our next episode, just for you. So welcome, welcome, welcome to our Real Eyes, Real Eyes podcast, Miss Jennifer Pru. And for all of our listeners, I wanted to just kick us off with a little bit of a bio of who we have here today, in case you do not know this beautiful woman. So I'm going to kick it off with that, and then we'll hand it over to you to start talking about your story and your truth in this world. So for those that don't know Jennifer Pru, she is the co-founder and owner of the Breathe Together Yoga Studio in Los Gatos, California. She created the Joy of Yoga School and it is an integrative learning where she also oversees and teaches for the 200 and 300 hour teacher trainings. She also created the Joy Map, which is a hundred hour course in meditation and awareness practice. Jennifer is passionate about life education making mind and body practices accessible so students are empowered to live fully and contribute to life. She brings eight years as an associate professor of storytelling, storyboarding, and creativity, 10 years as a professional artist, and a master's degree in art and consciousness studies to her teaching and her business leadership. Jennifer leads four international retreats per year, and this year she published River of Offerings, 12 Journeys Along the Ganges River, a book of her stories and beautiful photographs, 10 years in the making. And they are available, or it is available at Inside Editions or your favorite local bookstore. And we'll talk a bit more about that as well. So thank you. Thank you, Jennifer, for being here. Um, What I'd like to do is just kick this off like we do with all of our guests, is to have you tell us a little bit more about your story. And that is such a large question but a little bit of the key landing post that brought you to where you are today.
1: Okay. Um, You know, when we look at our, how we got to a place, um, it's really quite often we, it's amazing because we had no idea how we got here, yes? And I I couldn't help but think of the song, the Talking Head song, you know? How did I get here? (laughs) Play that often like oh my god this beautiful house this beautiful wife how did yeah. i get here <laughs> and i would say that um you know when i was when i was a little kid i had this odd i guess odd at the time interest in indigenous cultures particularly the native americans but i learned enough as i was about seven um about inequity mm-hmm. and and what was happening to cultures that had been here that were disappearing and it bothered me and um, and unusually so you know i was little
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and i i was raised at a time i was raised in marin county in the 70s and so the whole world had opened up my i mean that's when uh roe v wade was passed in the women's movement and the peace movement and um it was a radical time and what it did was it enabled for young enabled young people to have a freedom that probably had never existed before Mm. and at the same time we were some of us were kind of raised by wolves my parents were in many ways engaged but in some ways they weren't because they were also a product of that time and so i set out on my own path pretty early Um, and when I when it appeared that I it didn't necessarily appear that I had set out on my own path I was kind of doing it on the side (laughs) Uh, doing what my parents wanted but uh, really wanting to figure out how to I guess do things my way (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh, I made a big mess you know, I didn't accept guidance well and uh, made a big mess. And I was introduced to drugs at a very early age. I was 10 when I started um, doing drugs, which now is absolutely absurd because I have a kid who's a high school student. And I, I am engaged in a way my parents weren't. Um, and um, by the time I got to college, I became a, I, I became a painter and a sculptor and I really wanted to go down the art path, and I did go down the art path pretty heavily. And when I did my master's degree, I did it in art and consciousness studies because I wasn't interested in the art market and I wasn't interested in graphic design. I was interested in the the compulsion to create and how creativity, when you express yourself through painting or drawing particularly, you're kind of laying out your own psychological contents in a certain regard. Um, and so I studied art therapy thinking that I would become an art therapist. But as, as it turned out, I didn't want to sit in a room with white walls. Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: had motion in my body and, um, I decided to go down the higher education track. And I was really fortunate to get a job at a small college in Silicon Valley. So I I moved here and started teaching storyboarding and storytelling. Now, I had begun yoga in the late 80s as a way of getting out of the drug world. because so mm-hmm. I had spent 17 years in a bit of a haze, experimenting with almost everything uh, except anything that involved a needle. Mm-hmm. So I had really gone down that road, and it bothered me to have this dependence. Mm-hmm. And I need to clean up because I could see that I was cycling through the same stories again and again were happening, only a little bit more severe each time. And uh, yoga yoga helped me be able to be in my body. Mm. Um, you know, I love creativity and I love going out, but I didn't know much about how to work with what's difficult. Yeah. And so, so now move forward to as a professor, uh i was given the chance to teach abroad and so the world opened up i got to teach in singapore and on that trip i took journeys to five other countries Mm. and and that was amazing to get to see how other people lived yeah and to see that they had a totally different social construct and that the social construct ours is largely fabricated but we forget it what we say is true so much of what we say is true is a result of the social fabric in which we live. And so I love the idea of coming home and seeing that I was entering back into a social yeah. fabric. But during that time in, at the college, I started doing more and more yoga and I could see the writing on the wall. I really wanted to leave the college. Mm. I was 2002, around that time I got married for the second time. My first marriage did not go well. It was my starter marriage, and I learned a lot. We'll save that for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a plant. (laughs) When I got married, and and my father got prostate cancer, and um, my father, as much as there were certain ways he wasn't engaged, it wasn't because out of a lack of love, uh, he was my greatest mentor, and mm-hmm. so I went through that process of over a year of his decline. He loved it that I was a professor, but mm-hmm. didn't want me to have to go out on my own because he was afraid that financially I would mm-hmm. it would be too hard. But I decided after he passed to leave the college, mm-hmm. and I got pregnant, and I had Liam when I was 41, and... I thought I would be a stay-at-home mom, but I had already started to teach some yoga. Yeah. And it turned out that we moved out of San Jose and because we couldn't afford to live in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. But um, my husband's company was sold back to, we had just moved, we just moved <laughs> <laughs> and sold back to a company here and they offered us some money to come and move back. So we did. And in order to do that, I had to agree with Wells Fargo Bank that I would come up with three thousand dollars a month after taxes of yoga money ah. to pay for the mortgage. So I was thrust with a little baby, thrust back into figuring out how the heck we were going to pay for a house. <laughs> and I did it, we did it. We, um, I started teaching yoga a lot, and I knew the thing with yoga is so complex, it's such a huge. Uh, field that it would, I knew it would take a long time to really learn enough to feel competent. So I spent the first five to seven years in that time, just seeing clients and teaching classes and and having a baby.
0: Yeah.
1: And from there, one of the clients had a wife that was sick with cancer. She had breast cancer, had gone to the brain. She was in her mid thirties and he was looking for ways to help support her because he felt as though the western medical system had only so much to offer Mm -hmm. and he found me on the yoga therapy website and i started working with her and she lived longer than anyone had hoped Mm -hmm. and um and then after she passed i worked with him and after about he started coming on retreats i was running retreats at that point and after Mm -hmm. three retreats he said would you like to open a studio You know i'll put up the money and that he he, we did that we opened breathe together in 2011. Um, so from that point on for the last 10 years that thing is a beast (laughs) it's it's amazing it's i i never anticipated while i thought i'd open a center at some point i thought it'd be a teeny little thing This is a big thing. This is 70 to 100 classes a week on the schedule. This is close to 70 people that I oversee as contractors or employees. And it's a full life of seven days a week, every day, except for Christmas. And um, so I have tailored my life to attend to breathe. That's how I got here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we're so grateful that you have and you've stuck through it. And we're going to talk a bit more about the pivots that you've had to make and the continual decision-making, especially uh, in this time of COVID. Um, there's been a lot, a lot of yoga studios have not survived and uh, Breathe Together Yoga is. Um, I wanted to bring out one thing that I oftentimes hear from students uh, and from people who work with Breathe is what a sanctuary it is, what a community and that is very much, um, very much in part of you and the people that you attract to the studio and the teachers and whatnot. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, was that intentional at the beginning to create a sacred space? And how have you intentionally done that? What, What are your secrets?
1: Well, so what happened was Melissa, Rob's wife, he cared for her in a way that was utterly remarkable. I could, I it was so amazing. Basically, he stopped working. And for a month, she was at home, mm-hmm. and he attended to her, he was her nurse. And I came to visit, she was no longer conscious. And we sat across the bed. And he told me at that time that he had a genetic mm-hmm. disease, his kidneys were going to fail. And he was going to need a kidney and liver transplant at some point. And and she was his life. They were going to have a family together. And so now she's going and he's going to be left alone.
0: His Mm -hmm. family's
1: on the East Coast. There's not a lot of them. And and he was remarkable. He was a pianist. He was an engineer. He was funny. Um, But down the road... You know, he wasn't sick at that time at all. But down the road, when he started coming on the retreats, he said, you know, I have this vision. And the vision is that we make this sanctuary. And that was the word, was literally the word was sanctuary, where people who are having a hard time, some of them are sick, but some of them are caregivers. And who's Mm -hmm. not having a hard time? I mean, we're really in an untenable situation with the kind of lifestyle that we have, where we are running to catch up with ourselves constantly. And and so in some ways, the studio offers a place to pause and regroup, and then and then each student can decide for themselves that kind of unfolds how how they use the place. Mm-hmm. Do they use it as a way of further? educating themselves about this experience they have after yoga. Oh my gosh, I feel so good. Well, how can I create more of that in my life? Are they using it in a way to take care of their physical body so it's stronger and they're less um, prone to getting sick? Are they using it in a way where it's a social connection? It's a place where you can meet friends because most of our friends now are through work. And um, is it a place where we can just get away from our family (laughs) for a little bit? Um, So it's, it's a sanctuary, but it's also not, it's not um, bearing one particular tradition. Anybody can come with any belief, any experience, the doors are open and then, through the practice and through essentially, you know, some basic fundamental values that get transmitted through the teachings, being a good person, being a kind person, being a kind, truthful person, then we have, we can develop friendships in a whole nother,
0: Mm. at a whole nother
1: level. Um, So So true.
0: It's so, yeah, it's huge. And I think that, one thing that I notice about knowing you is that you have a gift, I feel, of being able to, and maybe it was back to when you were seven and being um, framed, if you will, or touched by um, feeling that there are some communities that um, are underrepresented minorities and have less than. So you have a gift of being inclusive, I feel. And so at a studio where in our world, there's so much division and polarization, Um how is it that you find you've been able to provide that space for diverse community, diverse thinking, and have everybody feel welcome?
1: Well, I hope everyone feels welcome. Some people still may not, but <laughs> how I do that, I think came from one of the early trips in 2009. I went to India. 2000, actually, I first went in 99, and then I went back in 2006. But around a trip in 2009, I got hooked because, um, no, it was 2007, sorry, (laughs) 2007. I went to India and I saw the incredible poverty and it just affected me. And the kids on the street and they weren't in school. And so the people that I went with, there's a woman named India Supra who opened the first yoga retreat center in the United States. She was who I took the trip with. And I said, how much would it cost to open a school? I'm just curious, you know. She said, well, $20,000. But the issue there is you've got to keep raising the money. Don't Mm -hmm. worry. We have schools. We'll talk to you about it later. Mm -hmm. So I came home, and about six months later, the Dalai Lama was coming to UC Santa Barbara. I drove down there. It was all on compassion, the, Mm -hmm. the talks. And I became really fascinated with how is it that you can listen in a way that where you put yourself in the position of the other person what's Mm -hmm. it like to be the other person because I noticed that any conflict that I had was a result of my inability to do that Mm -hmm. and even through all the divisiveness that we faced over the last few years I noticed when I can step into their shoes to the best of my ability and when I can't and when I can't that means I've got work to do Mm-hmm. Right. It's very easy to think, oh, well, it's them because they're so, you know, abominable. Mm-hmm. I can't deal. No, that's, that's on me. Yeah. Um, so I studied that. And when I communicate, what I attempt to do is, well, Dalai Lama says, uh, always be kind. There's a way to always be kind. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a way to always be kind. Okay, so kindness. And in our tradition, in the yoga tradition, those of what we're doing, we're doing nonviolence, kindness Mm -hmm. and truth. But we put the kindness first Mm -hmm. because uh, perhaps, well, I grew up in a family where sometimes the truth would come out and it wasn't always kind. Mm -hmm. And I knew firsthand what that felt like. And I've done it myself. And not only do they suffer, I suffer later with regret.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So then what I do is who's in front of me? What kind of reaction is coming up? Mm -hmm. That's on me.
0: Mm -hmm. There's your embodiment part, like what's (sighs) happening in my body? Where is this coming from?
1: and that's what you, you don't learn from school. And why I left the college was because this embodied piece was missing. These young students didn't have a way of processing and working with their own stuff. And it was actually getting in the way of their learning. And yeah. so if I could redesign the educational system, it would be to help young people. I would want to help young people know that when stuff comes up, well, how, how do they work with it? Mm -hmm. So I've got to look at, okay, what's my reaction and then um, how to work best with that reaction because I don't want to override it. We we have a term called spiritual bypassing in the Mm -hmm. yoga community. That's what that is. I can't override it. I have to sit with it, work with it. This is why we meditate, not to calm ourselves to some weird place, (laughs) but to use the material of our interactions with life to see where we get hooked up Mm -hmm. and then and then well what is it like to be this person and how can i speak to them in a way that they can hear now it's easier to do that one-on-one because i can look at you and i get a sense of you Mm -hmm. and i'll speak to my sense of you but when i'm doing it with a whole bunch of people like if i've got to make a decision that's going to affect the whole breathe community Then the way I do that is I'm sure that whatever decision I make, I can live with.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I can look back having made decisions that didn't go well. um, That still I feel, gosh, I sure wish I'd done that differently. I want that as little as possible. So I have to be able to fully embody again, whatever decision I've made. Um, which is why I really like a little bit of time to sit with and with an issue. And then when I come out the door with it, I'm, I'm pretty certain.
0: Clear. Yeah. Yeah. And that time to process and to sit with and to even like like you said, even in the the art of meditation, kind of play around with different scenarios, but you're doing that in like a hypothetical situation. And then how do you feel when you've decided A, B, or C? Um, That's really intentional. Um, And I love the saying is, I may not like the situation, but I want to like myself in the situation. And it sounds to me like that's a bit of a guiding light for you as well, that the compassion and the kindness we can have an ability to be honest and kind. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, yeah.
1: This is where Marie Kondo comes in. <laughs> yeah.
0: Spark and joy.
1: <laughs> yeah. My trainings have been called the joy of yoga since, since 2007. And, and it was because what can be found through the practice is an underlying joy that is not contingent. It doesn't rely on circumstance. Yeah. And, um, that's incredible, but I also in 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 the way i I hope as much as possible to create decisions and interactions where that's the ideal. The ideal is we get to that place
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it feels really good. and if it doesn't feel really good in my body um then then something's not quite right yet. then there's more work to do.
0: yeah, I love that. Well, so let's think about this time of COVID where you've probably had to have a more rapid turnaround time in terms of decisions and how that really feels in your body and the clarity, the amount of (gasps) pivoting that's had to happen, right? So when you think about this past, I will say two years now, uh, can you reflect a little bit on the highs and lows and anything that you found Really, kind of worked for you when there was no playbook about what to do next?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when this happened, we all thought we'd be away for three weeks and then we'd come (laughs) back. And I made the call early on um, hey, we need to close. And, but literally thinking it would be maybe a few weeks or a couple months. Yeah. And I'm on a yoga studio owner's page on Facebook. And so I'm watching yoga studio owners navigate this from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And one after another through the weeks, one after another closed down. And one of the reasons we didn't close down was because we have membership. Mm -hmm. Those members decided to stay. Many of them. Now, not all of them. Some of them had to go. And because people's lives were changing a lot. But... Um, what did I go through? Uh, <laughs> I think the biggest, well, there were two big challenges or more than two, but one was my own head, which was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we all have <laughs> faced that, but thank you for admitting it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was so afraid. I was so afraid that we wouldn't make it, mm-hmm. that I would fail that I would make a decision that would end up costing us. Um, I had to make decisions fast. I had been so fortunate that even though we'd worked really hard on, on parts of that business, like the tea house, it took us years to get the tea house to where it was solvent, yes. but we stuck with it. And it did get to that point. I was afraid that if I, we'd, we'd, had, we'd had success, we had had success. So I didn't really know what it was like to come up with an idea and have it fail miserably. Well, I know what that's like now. (laughs) and What I've learned about that is call it for what it is. Just Mm. call it when you see it and be okay about it. But the the trick of my head was the terror, was the fear. and, And there were nights I would go to bed with just absolute dread. Mm -hmm. And and what dread, I don't think I'd ever felt dread in my body. What does dread feel like? And in this practice, we actually make room for these emotions because if we don't, then they're running us. And so then how do I make room for dread? Yeah. And then let dread, you know, give it the room to express itself in there. And then, because once it is able to express, then the charge isn't so great. Mm -hmm. And then I can make another choice. Ah, yes, Mm dread. I know you, we're getting to know each other. We're getting to know each other. We're becoming familiar. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Now I'm gonna get back to the business at hand, which is my checklist, and because I've gotta do the very best I can with the step that's right here in front of me. Mm -hmm. Because the problem with the dread too is that it can just take over and then nothing is accomplished. Mm Um, that's when, if we have addictive patterns, we might go there. (laughs) We might go to the place to make, to comfort whatever it is we don't want to feel. So that's one thing about this yoga path is that we have warrior poses for a reason. It's because internally we're learning how to meet the thing, the challenges internally, what, what comes up that's hard. And so that was hard. I came from a family that had a lot of worry about money. And mm. so I've had to revisit that again. So that's one piece, my head, and just doing what's next in front. And then the other one was with the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. um, which was coming through this incredible, tumultuous time politically. And, I mean, we were just, I've never seen this country like.
0: Yeah, intense.
1: And I remember as a kid a little bit with Kent State, Um, but I was so young at the time, then how to do that? Well, because if I have a sanctuary Mm -hmm. and I'm providing this space of inclusivity, then that means according to the mission, which I am married to, I want to be a place where everyone can still come. Yeah. Now, what that can look like is that I'm not taking sides. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to be Switzerland. Yes? Yeah. And, and that I have a mission, but I also have my own personal um, experience and understanding. Yeah. And, and how do I hold both? And that this was a time when we were all encouraged to speak up. Mm -hmm. and to share our voice and in my head what I kept hearing was well then who's doing the listening Mm. who's doing the listening can't and and I wanted to listen at that time more than I wanted to speak and Mm -hmm. and there were some criticisms I think some folks would have really liked it if I'd spoken a little more early on but I needed to get a sense of the lay of the land here what are we dealing with? Mm -hmm. Because it was so new. And then I didn't want to just be turning on the social media megaphone and throwing out my words. I wanted to create something that could have some sort of lasting change where people have to look because what I see with social media is it's just so fast. It's just bites. How are we going to literally shift our well, what we've been calling our nervous systems, how do we regulate, how do we embody so that we change, fundamentally change our wiring, yeah. which we gotta do because of climate change, because <laughs> of utter inequity, because the problems that we're faced with now as a, as a, a world require that we step up in a way that we never have before. And it's, a, it's an internal change that has to happen. Mm-hmm. It has to be that if someone says something, I don't turn into the person that just reacts and fights or runs. I'm able to not take it all personally, not take my own thoughts personally, know how to investigate myself internally, and then come back with something useful. Mm-hmm. So we created Mindfully Just, and that was the program that has helped all of us who've taken it understand our place
0: mm-hmm.
1: in, in creating change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so anyway, that, that, that's, the sh- that's the longer version of, and I'm still working with this. Mm -hmm. um how then like my kid had to uh last week there was a someone in the neighborhood with a gun Mm -hmm. with while he was in school and so the sheriff's department shut down three schools all in the city block and they all had to set up barricades in their classroom and lie on the floor in silence in their masks and wait to see if someone was going to shoot them Mm -hmm. and then the principal god bless him didn't send an email out afterwards, didn't communicate with the students or the teachers or the parents.
0: The,
1: the district did a very nominal job. So what we have now is thousands of children who have now are now coming home having had this experience. Mm. And then what, what do I do about that? How, who do I contact about that? How do I express my disdain and my shock and, my fear Mm -hmm. in a way that makes an impact. And and that makes an impact is really important because the social media is like the, it's become this place where people just go bleh.
0: Yeah, the vomiting tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but
1: then how to be useful and how to create change, that I don't think any of us can get away with not asking that question at this point.
0: Yes, yes. Well, what I love about that, and I'm sorry, first of all, that that is something that you've recently had to experience. Um, But what I'm seeing is the expression of you as being a human with real feelings, right? And so when we're going through what is happening in our midst, and uh, I don't know about you, but the amount of hate crimes that seem to be on the rise, uh, the differentiation between people who feel the ability to speak out and Racial slurs and homophobic activity. Um, it's really hard, I find, being in that place of seeking kindness and joy and generosity and seeing these things happening. So, how is it that what what thoughts do you have? Are there any yogic principles that we can understand that we can live so that we can help that be a compass or a guide as we're going through these really tumultuous times?
1: all right well i mean fortunately i didn't make these up <laughs>
0: <laughs> please share i know you keep in good circles i mean when you know the Dalai lama let's talk <laughs> well, they
1: you know a book like this the yoga sutras so helpful <laughs> so helpful i'd recommend this version of it because it's easier to understand chip hard trapped
0: beautiful i love we'll to put a link to that in our show notes. I, for yes, that people yeah that's awesome
1: and, and, you know, it's a bit much to read, it took me years to finally get it, but there's a section in there that covers ethical guidelines. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a Christian situation, Episcopalian, and they are very open. But I got the commandments like commands, and since I didn't do well with commands, I went <laughs> and tested every one of those commandments except do not kill, and I found out that um, it's better to follow them because you create less suffering. And so these guidelines that are built in these ethical guidelines are not communicated as part of the yoga practice often, because mm-hmm. what we see is asana. We see mm-hmm. the postures
0: postures, the mm-hmm. postures
1: are sexy and we want them because we <laughs> are grabbing, wanting
0: people. Body image culture. Like I want to have tight abs and a tight ass and here we go. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, and then what we missed were the
1: first two limbs and the first, the first, limb has five components, nonviolence, you know? So the way to interpret that would be, well, what does that mean to you to be a nonviolent person? I have interpreted it as kind. I try to be kind with my words, not always successful. Then truth, you know, Mm -hmm. what am I willing to look at in myself? What am I not willing to look at? If someone pisses me off, who's that on? Is that on them or on me? Mm You know, I'm the one with the lens.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: my responsibility, um, not stealing. When we steal, we steal time from people. We steal through our thoughts, coveting, wanting, the, the constant wanting, you know, yeah. Western culture. We're addicted to it. Yeah. Um, using our energy well, you know, we'll throw ourselves in or we'll just uh, check out. Yeah. Uh, and
0: um how to be mindfully present Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and not hoarding so there's another one on western culture what Mm -hmm. do we do we hoard look at the climate change situation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we hoard our energy so how is it that we uh interact with others and then five with how we interact with ourselves you know humans When we meditate, we think, oh, well, it's about stilling the mind. It's not about stilling the mind. It's about working with the mind. And so Mm -hmm. the mind drifts off. That's natural. That's human tendency. The ability to begin again, come clean. Ah, yes, I notice. I've gone to that place. I've gone to that same pattern again. That pattern of behavior. I know this pattern. See, the value of getting to know, become familiar, the Tibetan Um, definition of meditation one of them is to familiarize Mm. yourself with familiarize yourself with your patterns know the kinds of situations that trigger anger know the situations that trigger wanting to go away because the more we know them yeah the more we have them instead of them having us
0: yes either we recognize them more quickly when they arise and we go and maybe do some things to self-regulate before responding. So it's not a reaction, or maybe we don't stay in the pattern as long if it feels destructive. And so we find ways to, to kind of move our way through. Is that kind of yeah, what you're talking absolutely. Through?
1: And, and, you know, and then the next one, which is so interesting and related to this is contentment, generating contentment, that doesn't mean contentment with the way things are. I mean, I think anybody right now would feel, no, we're not content with the way things are. But can we sit in this moment with the mm-hmm. way things are? Can we be here? Mm-hmm. Can we be here? Because if we can't be here, we're wanting to be somewhere else all the time. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no creativity possible. Nothing new can come until we can plant ourselves Mm -hmm. in this and then practicing regularly we call it tapas you know you I do feel that every human being needs a practice we are made for practice which means for some it could be singing practice for some it could be movement or breath practice some kind of practice where We come back and we say, I'm dedicating myself to becoming more present and I'm going to do it every day, whether I like it or not, because what that does is over time, the likes and dislikes end up not running the show quite as Mm -hmm. much and we become good, good for our word. Mm -hmm. And, and this could sound ridiculously esoteric, but when we are good for our word, then the world seems to know what it can count on from us.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. So then after that, it's inner looking, this inner questioning, mm-hmm. you know, being dedicated to learning constantly. That's what we're here for. We're here to learn and yeah. finally it up. You know what? I did the best I could in this situation. And I either offer it to the God of my own understanding, or I let it go that mm-hmm. it's beyond me, which had to happen with the studio. Mm. The studio has been an incredible place all along. I'm going to do the very best I can. And if the whole thing falls apart, it's ultimately going to be okay. Mm. But I know that I'm going to do the very best I can with it. Mm. So anyway, you live by those. So then some crazy thing happens out there and you're completely charged up, whatever it is. Usually it's fear, anger, sadness in a variety of forms, right? The color wheel of fear, anger and sadness. (laughs) And then you can go to those guidelines, which those guidelines are part of any traditions guidelines. And you say, "Okay, where am I not. Able to sit with this well, where what truth is here that I might not be willing to look at and that way. You know, there's so much we can't do anything about. So much, really, if we're honest about it. We're specks of dust with a mouth. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> but around me, yeah. around me, around you, because I know what kind of person you are, we're going to do the very best we can. And yeah. we're going to keep this little ecosystem in as great forming Great functioning as we possibly can. Yes. So that whatever touches this ecosystem is somehow made yeah. in better shape than before it touched.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's. And the- being aware too that it is all an ecosystem and that no, this is my, you know, the way that I look at it too. And I think you, there's nobody that's any better than anybody else, we're all needed to kind of play our part to the best degree that we can. So if we do have, like you said, these practices that allow us to bring the best of ourselves forward, then that allows us to actually maybe be an inspiring force for somebody else. And we start to lead each other home. And I think that one thing I'd like to Ask you about. You've also studied uh, with Ram Das. He's been a very special teacher for you, and I know the acknowledgement about be here now is really a big part of how you live. Um, I'm curious if you'd like to say anything about Ram Das and how he even continues to inspire you since uh, he's passed on.
1: No, okay, let me see what I can say about that. So, uh, when I was writing the book, uh, it was tw- it's twelve journeys. Up and down the Ganges River, and I've been to India a lot in order mm. to get to twelve journeys.
0: Amazing and, photographs um, too, by the way. It's a coffee you. table book. It's gorgeous. Yeah,
1: thank you. And and that book, it started officially about seven or eight years back, and and that I knew I had gone to the Ganges, and I could see I I had, had these experiences happen along the river, and I began to you know, the river was this thread through these stories, but the river itself was so fascinating because of the devotion that everybody, mm-hmm. regardless of what what um, their religious beliefs were, they just poured themselves into this river.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I became completely fascinated and the river is, parts of it are absolutely filthy, but it is this sacred river. Mm-hmm. So I, when I knew I was gonna write a book about it, I knew I had to go to some places that I was afraid to go. And one of those, I had to go high up into the mountains. Mm. And um, that was scary because it was it was dicey up there. And it yeah. did turn out to be very dicey, but you can read about it in the book. Uh, one of them was to interview, to sit with the, um, the guys who had polio that are, they're, they're um, not able to use their legs. So they are on these, what are like big skateboards Mm. and they're all, they were in hardware at the time. And it, and I went and I, I I had, I had seen one who was disfigured years before. And I, I turned away from it. And the reason I wanted to go back was it really bothered me that I could not Mm. make contact at the time because it was so hard to look at. He was just in such bad shape. So I went back and I hung out on this boardwalk where all these guys were. And eventually, they, I, I, I did talk with them and mm-hmm. they were open to having me photograph them. But I came home sick, physically sick, and also the amount of suffering that I was seeing was so mm-hmm. intense. And I Ram Dass's, I'd known Ram Dass' work for years and years. We grew up with it in our home but I, I reached out and said, "Hey, could we? I'd like to talk with you about this." And it turned out that I was offered a, a chance to come stay at his house. So I stayed at his house for five days. That was in twenty late 2014, early 2015. Did it change my life? It did.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: there's no question. Uh, I spent five days with him. I got to ask him whatever I wanted. Um, but there was something everything he said was incredibly astute. There was no question about that, but there was a difference in the quality of his being. Mm. And the, we think of love as being this kind of syrupy Western version of love.
0: Hallmarky. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: He had this presence where it was as if the air was thick Mm. and, um, Almost warm, and you are—you were really present. I mean, I'd never been so present with another human being.
0: Amazing.
1: And so I went and visited the island because he lived in Maui twice a year until his passing um, in December of 2019. I think mm-hmm. he passed just before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, He also had suffered from a stroke, and so half his body was immobile, he was in a wheelchair, and the amount of pain that that man had lived with was absolutely remarkable, and yet he was able to completely give himself to whomever was around him despite so many physical challenges. And I thought, it's not the words, the words are amazing. the fact that he could show up mm-hmm. and change people's lives amidst all of this. So then I went back before he passed, just before he passed and he saw my book and, and he loved my book, he it was really sweet. Um, and then he passed and having lost my father and other people really close with me, um, those relationships, they can continue Mm -hmm. in my honoring. And, and when you learn, it's you know, you can listen, you can listen. Like both of us have lost our dads. So we know our dads so well that if we're in a, in a bind, Mm -hmm. we're in a tricky situation. We know what our dads would say. (laughs) And, uh, I, I keep my relationship with Ram Dass absolutely alive.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I love yeah. that. thank you for offering that
1: yeah he's all over the room
0: go ahead I believe that <laughs> i know i feel him in his i think that's that's the beauty of even as people do pass on there is this beauty of their presence and it's within us and we continue to carry the torch and i also find it's like this guidance it's almost like this guardian that we can ask for support and and uh, lo and behold it's there it's there it's really amazing yeah yeah what I'd like to do, I think I could talk with you forever. I see another podcast in the making here. Um, but what I do want to do is to ask, um, where are you going next? What are the things that we as our listeners and supporters of you and Breathe Together Yoga can do to support you uh, as we look forward? So what's up in the land of Jennifer Prue? And then we've got some collective questions I'd like to ask you as we wrap up.
1: Okay. Okay. Um- where we're going next is paying attention to right now and that's because i don't exactly know where we're going next, <laughs> but i do know how to pay attention to what's in front of us now what appears to be in front of us is that we have a fully vaccinated space and people are coming back mm-hmm. and um it is just glorious i have a whole new love for that studio i appreciate it in a way i never have because the kinesthetic connection was taken away. And now it's almost, it is overwhelming. It's overwhelming to be in there, but in the best of ways. So. Very
0: joy-filled.
1: Yeah. Deep level of appreciation. So thrilled, you know, to see them, we have the sanctuary and my hope is that we all use this place to regroup when we go back out to take new risks, to speak to and act upon the issues that we care most deeply about, mm-hmm. to be a little bit um, risky and and um, be willing to be afraid, you know, yeah. like contacting the school district and then coming back and, okay, checking in, <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> so, because we're, we couldn't make so much change and the people who go to breathe are, just such good, intelligent people yes. who want to make this world a good, good, good place. Yeah,
0: They're positive <laughs> change agents for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then uh, uh, my book, I my book is selling, which is really, really neat. That's and awesome. I'm working on wrapping up a few other book projects that uh, I've been working on. The meditation is a new piece at Breathe, and I teach meditation by donation only Tuesday and Thursday morning. And I do invite everybody to attend because it is, you don't have to donate if it doesn't work. You can just come. Um, we're on a curriculum. But you're totally welcome. And uh, it's such exciting work. It's, I, I, I've been calling them, in my own mind, I've been calling them meditation adventures because for that time where I couldn't take people on international retreats, we could still, we can go on journeys internally if we know how to do it. And that's what I'm dedicated to right now. And then stay tuned for more international retreats. Uh, I've got two coming that are both sold out. And in the fall, I hope to, um, I'm not going to tell you what they are right now, but just go wait <laughs> to the website.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. and come
1: take a class. And, and um, you know, sometimes it's hard to step into a studio because it feels so daunting. But if you can make it through that hurdle, I promise it's going to be great.
0: Yeah, through yeah. that front door is usually the hardest step. And what's great is you've pivoted so much of also having uh, in-park type um, sessions. You also have Zoom and so hybrid classes. So we've got many people from the breed community that have moved away, but are still practicing with the community. And so it's really wonderful how you've been inclusive too in terms of the different mediums that people yeah,
1: can practice. Yeah, the way I joke about it is it's any way you want it that's the way you need it that's how we're (laughs) offering our yoga and it's true you can do it right there with your bed next to you (laughs) in the living room um, or you can come to the park where you can actually breathe and because it's wonderful we don't have masks Mm -hmm. on it's beautiful And
0: we will put in our show notes links to your books, um, the ability to look at the River of Offerings, also your meditation book. So um, we'll work with you on that and just let all of our listeners know that we'll have you have an opportunity to find where those are. So thank you. I have a few collective questions that we tend to ask most of our guests. And so think about these as lightning speed, just off the top uh, top of your head, um, and uh, we'll end it this way. So first of all, what are you currently reading or watching these days? um oh
1: wow okay the two books i'm reading are um one it's on they're on plants plants mm-hmm. and trees but i'm not going to get the title absolutely right unless i just this the, they're beautiful because they're illustrated just give me a second um and uh You would think I would know the name of the book, but.
0: I have a one on trees on my coffee table with the river of offerings. I wonder if it's the same one.
1: Um, It's, it's all illustrated. Oh my God. I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. It's so beautiful. Oh, you're going to, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to tell you. That's okay. Okay. And what else am I reading? Devotions by Mary Oliver. I'm Uh reading right now. Beautiful. Um, and then, what am I watching? I don't watch a ton of television, except when I'm with my husband because we <laughs> like to spend some time together. He watches more TV. We we watch right now. We watch the baking show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Good inspiration together. I love it. <laughs> we like British humor a lot. I love that. Well, this is a good, good lead in. Cause uh, the thought is if you were to eat dinner or have dessert with anybody um, past or present and engage in dialogue, who would it be? One person, one person dessert. Well, since you said the baking channel, it was on my mind.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, it would probably be, even though of course I would have dessert with Ramdas anytime, but it, I I would I would love to have dessert with the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Um, because I I'd really love to ask him about the inner work he did about cuz he lost his country and everything he went through. Mm. Um, and he talk about joy. I mean, yeah. he is able to. Yeah, that's who I would. Joy
0: and compassion. Yeah. He's a wonderful teacher for that. Yeah. Thank you. You would
1: laugh all the way through dessert.
0: And <laughs> you would be laughing right with him. Yeah. So what are the practices that you do or say to yourself when you feel that challenge or that fear and doubt rise up just to remind you how you choose to show up?
1: I notice what's happening in my body. Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, just in our discussion, what's happening here. Ah, I see you, you know, (laughs) because anytime I'm not noticing that I'm out, I'm gone. Yep. Uh, And I I say, I I try to include because the catch is that as soon as we can accept what is happening, which is hard to do socially and politically, it's really hard to accept what's happening, except it's happening.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So it's happening. Can I accept it? All right. I can sit with it. All right. So what's the opportunity here? What's Mm -hmm. the opportunity? Because, you know, as an artist, how, how can I make
0: something beautiful out of this total mess? <laughs> I love that. We're talking about upcycling here. So upcycling the yeah. human race, <laughs> no, it's fertilizer. And actually, I just read this beautiful
1: quote. It's a real key quote. It has to do with we we think that all those difficult emotions are supposed to be pushed aside, but they are our winter yeah there they are the winter season through which the spring comes so that's the question is how much shit can i sit with and then because i've sat with it it's it that's where the fertilizing comes yeah and then can i be patient enough because if i'm not patient then i'm going to want to answer and i want to fix it instead of letting the next the opportunity arise which it will do when we're paying attention that's Mm, beautiful
0: and the seeds of potential and you actually are fertilizing that versus necessarily needing the bounty right away beautiful so my last question for you what are you most grateful for in this moment
1: well you yeah because you asked me to do this so Mm. thank you very very much
0: you and i think it's
1: so cool because what you've done is you've created an opportunity to talk with people who's who are out there doing their very best yes those those stories may not make it to, they won't make it to cnn <laughs> <laughs> you
0: never know <laughs> no, yeah you never know
1: but that the that so many people i've met are so good and they mm-hmm. just go about doing incredible work something And uh, that's, and you're
0: one of them. Oh, thank you. Well, I am so grateful for you, for what you're creating, for standing up and standing with so many um, challenges in our world, but as well as the joy and always looking at bringing out the joy and the laughter. So thank you, Jennifer, for your time today, your wisdom. Um, I look forward to receiving tidbits of wisdom, and we'll put that in our online resource hub around just ways in which we can learn uh, from you and from these really beautiful traditions. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for
0: having me. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to another impactful conversation here on Real Eyes, Real Eyes podcast. We hope you take the, some time to let the wisdom of the stories that were shared here today sink in. And we welcome you to engage with us on our social channels at realize.love on Instagram, at realize.love on Facebook, and also our virtual voicemail on SpeakPipe. You can call us and let us know individuals you'd like to hear us interview or ideas for stories that you think would be impactful for others to hear. We also have links in the show notes and we invite you to go to our website, realeyes.love where you will find an online resource hub. It is our gift to all of our listeners to provide you the resources and support in making your own ripple effects, actualizing love in this world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing all that you do. And remember, be true, Be real, be you, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.